Thanks for tuning in to localjobnetwork.com radio, where you can find all of your favorite employment-related shows. I'm Katie Chesney, and you're listening to Management Decisions, a show where we bring in high-level executives from a wide collection of businesses to discuss what goes on at the top of the food chain. And today's topic is effective onboarding, and we're talking with Lilith Christensen, author of Successful Onboarding, Strategies to Unlock Hidden Value Within Your Organization. She's also a vice president at Kaiser Associates, and today she joins the show to share tips on how you can develop an effective onboarding strategy. So thank you for joining us today, Lilith. Before we get started, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what led you to co-author your book, Successful Onboarding? Sure. Thanks, Katie, for having me in today. Well, a little bit about myself. I am a vice president with Kaiser Associates, and I co-lead our organization development practice. We're a management consulting firm headquartered here in Washington, D.C., and I work with clients mostly of the Fortune 500 size um, or similar equivalents internationally and help them make their businesses more effective through working with their talent organizations and helping them through organizational change and developing talent management programs. And onboarding is a particular specialty of ours that we really got our start doing in some work with Target Corporation about eight or 10 years ago, looking at the practices at that point in time that were considered best practices to help design an effective onboarding program. And we got the inspiration to do the book through the work that we did with Target, kind of seeing what opportunity there was out in the marketplace for companies to really take a more designed and strategic approach to onboarding to affect a lot of organizational impact in terms of increasing revenue or decreasing cost. And it was really kind of an untapped asset for organization. So we started by taking our work and created a white paper that outlined what a successful approach could look like for onboarding. And then from there, actually, McGraw-Hill reached out to us and inquired about the possibility of taking that white paper and turning it into a book. So that's where we really got our start on that front. Great. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. So I'm kind of wondering how you define what onboarding exactly is. I feel like some people might not be clear on what onboarding is. And I really think our listeners would appreciate if you could kind of clear that confusion up for them. Sure thing, Katie. I think you're exactly right. There is often a lot of confusion because many folks think onboarding and orientation are the same thing. And from our perspective, orientation is a critical part of onboarding, but it's really just the very beginning. And we think about onboarding as being a process that focuses on transferring organization, team, and role-specific knowledge to that new hire, as well as helping to provide instructive insight into the organization's culture, its strategic direction, and also provides an opportunity to help new hires build valuable relationships with others in their organization and even externally organization that helps them be more successful in their role. Another component of onboarding is that um, we think organizations should help provide some career prospects for a new hire. We call it early career support in order to help them think about what their career path and career prospects could be within an organization. So it's really all those different interventions, trainings, conversations, experiences that a new hire has 
again, from offer acceptance to around the end of year one that helps them learn and grow. Well, you certainly have provided a very in-depth definition of what onboarding is exactly. So could you kind of dive into why it is important to have a solid onboarding strategy and what that does for businesses? Yeah, absolutely. What we have seen is that, quite frankly, you know, when someone joins a new organization for the first time, they're going to be onboarded, whether or not the organization has designed a specific approach or process around it themselves. Mm -hmm. So if it's going to happen anyway, why not design it in a way that the new hire can have experiences that'll drive to specific intended outcomes? So we see it as important for an organization, particularly if they're maybe dealing with issues of attrition and particularly attrition at an early tenure for individuals that designing a specific approach and what their welcome is going to be like and how they're going to learn about culture and how they can succeed in the organization to design in a process that helps that new hire gain this information and knowledge as they get more context in the organization really helps them be more successful, which often drives lower attrition rates and even helps new hires reach new levels of productivity that an organization may not have achieved in the past. Okay, so you kind of mentioned a little bit earlier on when you were just starting the interview that an effective onboarding strategy can really also um, kind of increase revenue and decrease costs. Can you kind of talk a little bit about why um, onboarding leads to that outcome? Yeah. So what we call that gain collectively is the onboarding margin. Okay. So from the perspective of increasing revenue, We see that as being a possibility because of the gains in productivity that can occur from having an effective onboarding program in place. So if new hires, for example, have a better understanding of the strategy of the organization and how they fit into that strategy, how their everyday job can have an impact at making the company more successful, that kind of knowledge is what can help them not only be successful in their role, but then also help the organizational success as a whole. So that's one of the elements that helps drive to that increased revenue piece. We've also seen that organizations start to enable new hires to reach productivity quicker. So even if we take a simple example of uh, streamlining some of the administrative processes that support onboarding, making sure that a new hire has their computer tools they need right from the get-go and that they're exposed to how to use those tools on their own, you'd be surprised. There's a lot of organizations out there that are still struggling with making sure that people have the equipment they need on day one. So think about you know a person that's in a technical role where they're uh, needing a computer with the right kind of software in order to start designing a program. If those individuals had that computer on day one, they can start their job, create that software, and get it out to market more quickly. If the organization is still working to find the right kind of computer, get the right kind of software installed, like each one of those days that that person is not in their role being productive, that's potential lost revenue for the organization. And from a cost perspective, that's an area where onboarding can um, have positive effects in quite a few ways. I think I had mentioned its benefit on reducing attrition earlier. So that's certainly one, uh, decreasing the cost associated with backfilling those positions when people leave the organization. And also, even if you're you know, maybe moving from a more manual process of onboarding and 
supporting a new hire's entry into the organization and you start to streamline that, maybe use technology to help automate some piece of it, there's a lot of labor costs associated with that manual processing that can be reduced through an enhanced onboarding experience. All right. So we've talked a lot about what onboarding is and what effective onboarding kind of sounds like. So how can an employer kind of go about implementing an onboarding strategy and who needs to be involved and what pieces need to be put in place before we can really start using this with new employees? Sure. That's a good question, Katie, and particularly around who needs to be involved. And that's a question we get a lot of times from our clients and other prospects. There's really a lot of folks that should be engaged in the onboarding process and certainly at the onset of trying to design an effective program. So HR is who a lot of organizations start with because they're typically responsible for the hiring process. So they very much need to be involved, but HR also includes a lot of different components to it. So recruiting should be a part of the onboarding design process because you really want to have a consistent message from the moment that you're attracting candidates to your organization all the way through bringing them into the organization. Then there's a benefits team should be a part of it, your IT organization so that getting folks computer technologies and telephones, that can happen seamlessly as part of the onboarding experience maybe even your facilities organization so that people are assigned the right place to sit in the organization, learning and development, your performance management staff. You really want to take an all-encompassing look at what are all the firsts that a new hire and their manager goes through um, over the course of a year and gather those folks together, at least at the onset, to get their ideas and brainstorm around what the opportunities are for the organization and what are the pain points that each one of these stakeholder groups are affecting so that that can give you a real good starting point in designing a program. It's also good to do some focus groups or get some survey information back from actual new hires so that you can really get an understanding for while you might be getting an understanding already from what the organization thinks the challenges are, they may be missing some things that the new hires actually experience themselves. Mm-hmm. And the hiring managers too, you know, whoever the supervisors or managers are of folks that are bringing people into the organization is another really good stakeholder group to involve in the process at the onset. Okay, so you've kind of given us a really good description of who needs to be involved to get this ball rolling. So what about when you're designing this strategy, this process really, how does it really work if you're an organization that has many different departments and many different kind of cogs turning the wheel? So if you were to develop a strategy for, say, your sales department, how would that strategy have to differ for your more like creative side, like your marketing or copywriting departments? How does the strategy kind of go full circle to encompass the entire organization with all these different moving pieces? Good, good question again. So one thing I guess I should mention about onboarding is while we certainly recommend kind of the best way to go about it is to design an enterprise-wide approach that enables all new hires to have access to a similar or common experience and then to customize the experience based on different new hire segments. So it could be, as you just said, Katie, maybe sales has some special aspects to the way their staff are onboarded compared to manufacturing or the finance team. You could also customize based on new hire type of new college grads versus technical team members that you're bringing on board versus executives, maybe other elements that you might consider for customization. 
So in terms of your specific question around like how do you make sure it ties back to each of the other parts of the business and getting those folks involved, what I recommend is first designing that enterprise-wide experience and getting the participation of all of those groups right at the very beginning so that you get their perspectives. You want to make sure you've got a good representation of people from each of those stakeholder groups in a design team but also in a steering committee of senior organizational leadership. And that's a really important place to have someone from the business that operates as a champion or an executive sponsor of the design program so that it isn't just seen as a talent initiative or an HR initiative. So it could be that if um, sales is a really critical component to the organization, and maybe that's a place where you're having the highest attrition rates of new salespeople joining the organization, or maybe that's the place you're hiring the largest numbers of people, it's really important to get someone involved um, from the sales team in the design process. And then when you create your onboarding program, it's important to design specific interventions or experiences, learning modules that meet the needs of those different audience groups. So from a sales perspective, it may be important for part of the onboarding experience to be taking a new hire in a ride-along with a more senior sales rep so that they can learn in more of a coaching or mentoring capacity from someone and kind of walking in their shoes for a week or two. So does that kind of give you one example of how it could be different from one part of the organization to another? Yes, it does. I really like the concept of kind of making an enterprise approach so that everyone is coming in and they're getting the same base experience, but dependent upon, you know, their experience level or, you know, what department they're going to be in or what their role is in the organization, you can kind of tweak it a little bit to customize it to their experience and the experience that you want them to have. That's exactly right. We've talked a lot about, you know, what onboarding is and how you can make it happen, how you should get it started. So when people are going through this process, what are some of the common mistakes that occur and how can employers kind of prevent that from happening? Well, we see quite a few mistakes kind of have to happen often when organizations undertake an onboarding redesign effort. Um, The first mistake that we see many organizations take is failing to do a proper diagnostic exercise. Mm -hmm. So by diagnostic, we mean taking stock of what the current situation is at the organization, kind of doing a detailed look at your attrition rates, your hiring rates, um, looking at performance evaluations of new hires as well as taking a look at what exists today in the organization. You know, even if there's not an enterprise-wide program, maybe different groups have created their own onboarding programs in order to fill that gap. So you want to understand what there is today. And then from that, create a set of really specific improvement objectives that your onboarding program is going to be designed around. We've seen organizations embark upon onboarding to help support a major cultural transformation of an organization. So there's different implications for what you're really going to put in the design. So doing that proper diagnostic is definitely where you need to start, but still something we see people kind of skipping over because they want to quickly jump into a design. Sure. Another challenge that we see with folks um, or that we might consider a mistake is individuals that start with software as a solution. 
Okay. So software or, or technology we see is a great enabler to onboarding, and it can enable it from a perspective of streamlining administration and, and making the process easier that supports onboarding. It can even be leveraged to support learning um, you know, and, and social interaction between new hires. But if that's where the organization starts, they often end up with a, an onboarding experience that's just more of the process focused in on the paperwork and making onboarding efficient and not really around engaging and having the type of experiential activities and, and content that we talked about earlier. So that's one thing that we see as a, a pitfall sometimes people fall into. We also see it being a challenge that there's a lot of great information out there around kind of best practices. I mean, even if you look at our book, it's a book full of best practices, mm -hmm. but people can fall into a trap of trying to just copy those best practices and automatically implementing them in their organization. And you really need to pick and choose the right ones. You know, maybe a good example is I think people hear a lot about what happens at Google and that mm -hmm. they have, you know, a great welcome experience and they have top name bands come and play for the new hires and that works well with their culture and their environment. It doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to play well. A manufacturing company, you know, or an automotive company, a different type of industry that's hiring a different type of employee base. So you really got to be smart around leveraging the best of what's out there that's applicable to your organization's specific context. Well, thank you for sharing those mistakes and kind of how you can prevent them from happening. We are running a little bit out of time today. So before we wrap things up, do you have any final pieces of advice that you'd like to share with our listeners about onboarding? I guess the last piece of advice that I'd mention is, you know, I think onboarding is a really important and still somewhat under attended to aspect of talent management that can really help organizations be successful in not just bringing in new folks, but really helping them stay within the organization and making the organization successful. And it doesn't always have to be a huge investment either. So if it is something that an organization is looking at addressing, I would say at a minimum, focus in on that new hires manager and trying to provide the right kind of tools and support for those folks to help each one of their individual new hires be successful, that you can even have that kind of an impact that may seem small because you're working at the, that individual level, actually have big returns for the organization. All right, everyone. Unfortunately, that's all the time that we have today on Management Decisions. Thank you for joining us and sharing your expert advice, Lilith. We do appreciate it. Well, thanks again for having me, Katie. I enjoyed it. Now, to find more employment-related shows, head over to ljnradio.com. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions for future shows, send me an email at ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. And once again, I'm Katie Chesney with LJN Radio, and I'll see you next time.